0: Elohei Abraham, Elohi Yitzhak, Elohei Yaakov, Yeshua Mishikenu, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we come before you, Abba, eager to hear from you, desirous to change and to conform more into the image and likeness of your Son, Yeshua. Abba, I pray that you would breathe upon us by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, Lord, that you would pour your favor and grace upon us, Lord, that you would have mercy on us, And we ask it, B'Shem Yeshua, and everyone said. The story of Purim uh, comes from the book of Esther, who we call her by her Hebrew name, Hadassah. Amen. Today's message is entitled Purim Principles. And although Purim has come to be a holiday filled with fun costumes and lighthearted celebration, it is truly a holiday that at the heart of it is about serious spiritual motifs. These spiritual motifs are as relevant today as they were in the days of Hadassah. We can turn on our TV screens and see anti-Semitism rampant. With over 140 incidents since January in the United States alone. Matter of fact, if you didn't know, we had the Suffolk County Bias Crimes down to the synagogue this week, and they filed a hate crime incident uh, for the synagogue because we found eggs in the parking lot toward the building. Now, we didn't think it was a big thing, but they did. We called them just to make sure, and they came down and they filed a bias crime incident because they take serious in this spiritual climate anything against a religious organization, specifically a Jewish organization. So think about it. Today, 2,500 years removed from the Persian Empire and the story of Purim, we see that as a Jewish community, we are still engaged in the same spiritual battle of anti-Semitism that our people faced in ancient times. Even though the cast of characters have changed, the conflict is still being waged. Today's message will take us, uh, will take a serious look at the themes that we face today that relate to the holiday of Purim, that relate to our everyday life. We will have an opportunity later at our Purim carnival and celebration to uh, rejoice in a lighthearted way which will prove to be uh, fun and a way to bring levity to a very serious holiday. So I want to turn your attention to the, the book of Esther. The book of Esther is known as uh, the scroll, right? Um, in Hebrew, right? We call it the Megillah, right? We read the Megillah, the scroll of Esther. Chapter two, in verse five. Now there was a Jew in Shushan, the capital, whose name was Mordecai. And everyone, when you hear Mordecai, you cheer for Mordecai. And he was bringing up Esther, that is, Hadassah, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. Now the young lady was beautiful of form and face, and when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as her, his own daughter. So it came about when the command and decree of the king were heard and many young ladies were gathered to Shushan, the capital, into the custody of Haggai that Hadassah was taken. Emphasize. She was taken to the king's palace into the custody of Haggai who was in charge of the women. I know a lot of times this story is romanticized about But make no mistake, Hadassah was taken against her will. The author mentions the phrase, Hadassah was taken, and concludes by saying that it is safe to say she went reluctantly, as one commentator states. I think that is a gross understatement, given what we know about the Persian Empire and about Ahasuerus himself. In the rabbinic writings, it says that he was wicked from the beginning to the end of his reign. Upon the slanderous report of the Samaritans, he stopped the work begun under Cyrus of the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. According to Abba Gorion, he, Achishverus, was so unstable that he sacrificed his wife to his friend. It is the same Achishverus that gave rise to the wicked Haman, Boo! And his plot to annihilate our Jewish people. You know what? I want you to take that serious because the plot to annihilate our Jewish people happens through the hand of a spirit. And that spirit is still alive and well today. What really is at the heart of this insidious evil is the spiritual influence on mankind through the influence of Satan himself, through his hierarchy of spiritual hosts. So as with Mordecai and Hadassah, you and I are in conflict with spiritual world powers. Ephesians, the sixth chapter that we read earlier, says this. For we are not struggling against human beings. Hear that. But against the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers governing this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. That's what the scripture says. This is a spiritual truth, and the same was true during the events recorded in the Megillah. In order to stay focused and not lose sight of what is really going on, like Hadassah, we cannot afford to fall asleep at the switch. Because in all the turmoil and the anti-Semitism that was swelling, Hadassah could have easily got caught up in the pomp and circumstance of the palace. We cannot be so engrossed or enamored by the world that we lose sight of the spiritual battle and our responsibilities. We must understand the true nature of the conflict that we're engaged of in. And I have to say, most believers in our country are oblivious to the spiritual war that wages around them. It's funny. I always find it interesting. That our Jewish people in the first century was so spiritually sharp, they would go to the they would say, Hey, they would go to Yeshua and say, Rabbi, my son is being tormented by a demon. They knew. They knew the spiritual climate. They knew what was going on. And yet we often have no clue. We think it's just people. We think it's just People that are, you know, at war with us or people that hate us. There is spiritual influences involved. Hadassah nine Esther 2.9, it says, Now the young lady Hadassah pleased him, Haggai, and found favor with him, so he quickly provided her with cosmetics and food and gave her seven choice maids from the king's palace and transferred her and her maids to the best place in the harem. Think about it. For a young Jewess in a place that she is no doubt frightened to be, and now she's being pampered beyond measure, it would be easy to lose sight. Imagine how tough it would be to maintain your spiritual equilibrium when everything and everyone around you is emphasizing only the outward condition and shape of your body and the beauty of your face. How temporary, carnal, and shallow is that? Yet in the midst of all this, Hadassah kept her spiritual head about her. And I would suggest to us that we keep our spiritual head about us. For the beauty of Hadassah's character is this, that she was not spoiled by her great elevation, one commentator wrote. A weaker person would have been dizzy with selfish elation. He goes on to say, the orphan girl who had grown up into into beauty under the care of her uncle Mordecai was lifted suddenly from her sheltered obscurity into the fierce light that beats upon the throne. However, she was elevated to fulfill a spiritual purpose and she rose to the occasion. Do you know what? God wants you and I to rise to the occasion as well. James Hastings writes, the splendor of her career is seen in this very fact that she does not succumb, hear that, to the luxury of her surroundings. The royal harem among the lily beds of Shushan is like a palace in the land of the lotus eaters, where it, is, where it is always afternoon and its inmates in their dreamy indolence are tempted to forget all obligations and interests beyond the obligation to please the king and their own interest in securing every comfort wealth can lavish upon them. Isn't that something? You know, I don't know how you think about the way you live, but here in the United States of America, we have it pretty good. How how many people are volunteering? You want to move to Syria? Oh, no one? No takers? We have it really good. And I believe that the forces of evil use the pleasures of life to lull us into a spiritual malaise. Their intent is to put our eyes on natural concerns to the neglect of the far weightier spiritual matters. This is basically what Hadassah is challenged with by her uncle Mordecai later in the story. You and I must understand the nature of the conflict that we face as the people of God and not give in to the tactics of darkness. David Stern, commenting on Ephesians chapter 6, writes this. This is why the weapons we use to wage war are not worldly. On the contrary, they have God's power for demolishing strongholds of demonic spirits. This description of the armor and weaponry that God provides confounds people, hear this, who are used to fighting people by worldly methods and have no sensitivity to God's methods, which are truth, righteousness, readiness grounded in the good news of shalom, trust, deliverance or salvation, the word of God given by the spirit and prayers. Friends, we can't fall into that trap. You and I are in a spiritual battle, like it or not. Believe it or not. The truth is it doesn't matter. Even if you don't believe it, it's true. And you and I need to get with the program. Because guess what? The enemy... Okay, so he's coming against the Jewish community like never before in recent times through anti-Semitism. But guess what? He comes against believers and your family and my family on a regular basis. Are you aware of that? Or are you just so busy taking people to the doctor and, 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 and calming people down and, and putting out fires here and there because you think everything is just a natural occurrence? I want to tell you, it's not. With that said, we need to seek spiritual solutions. It was a very real physical threat that our Jewish people faced in Persia, but they sought to apply spiritual solutions. We go back to our text. When Mordecai learned everything that had been done, he learned about the plan. What did he do? It says he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes... And went throughout the city lamenting and crying bitterly. He stopped before entering the king's gate since no one was allowed to go inside the king's gate wearing sackcloth. In every province reached by the king's order and decree there was great mourning among the Yehudim with fasting, weeping, and wailing as many lay down on sackcloth and ashes. When the girls and officials attending Hadassah came and informed her of this, the queen became deeply distressed. So Hadassah summoned Hatak, one of the king's officials attending her, and instructed her him to go to Mordecai and find out what this was all about and why. Hatak went out to Mordecai in the open space in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him and exactly how much silver Haman had promised to put in the royal treasury for the destruction of of the Yehudim. Then Hadassah spoke to Hatak and gave him this message for Mordecai All the king's officials, as well as the people in the royal provinces, know that if anyone, man or woman, approaches the king in the inner courtyard without being summoned, there is just one law he must be put to death. Unless the king holds out the gold scepter for him to remain alive, and I haven't been summoned to the king for the past 30 days. Upon being told what Hadassah had said, Mordecai asked them to give Hadassah this answer. And this is the the, the passage, right, that we love to read during Purim because it's a powerful passage. Don't suppose that merely because you happen to be in the royal palace that you will escape any more than the other Jews. For if you fail to speak up now, relief and deliverance will come to the Jews from a different direction, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows whether you didn't come into your royal position precisely for such a time as this. You see... Hadassah was positioned for this very purpose. And look what Hadassah does. Hadassah had them return this answer to Mordecai. Go assemble all the Jews to be found in Shushan and have them fast for me. Neither eating nor drinking for three days, night and day. Also, The girls attending me will fast the same way. Then I will go into the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Then Mordecai went his way and did everything Hadassah had ordered him to do. She sought a spiritual solution. What is our response to bad news or catastrophe? We can all agree that bad news is a gross understatement in this instance, but the question remains, what is our response to bad news? For many, if I dare not say most believers, the response is rarely the response we see depicted depicted in this passage. The chapter begins and ends with fasting, which always implies prayer in the scriptures. They were fasting and praying for God to move. And I have a few scripture verses here. Proclaim a holy fast. Call for a solemn assembly. Gather the leaders and all who live in the land to the house of Adonai your God and cry out to Adonai. Yol 114. In times of catastrophe, our people are known to go and fast and pray. And say, Adonai, we need your deliverance. Realize, it's the Jewish people. Less than a half of a percent of the world population going against the mighty Persian Empire. Yet, what are they to do? So they fast and pray and cry out to Hashem and say, God, move on behalf of your people. Listen, I say this in love, not in any wise a condemning way, but when is the last time you fasted and prayed, denied yourself to cry out to God for the breakthrough you need, for the loved one who needs to come to faith in Messiah, for the disease that you want to rid yourself in your body. When is the last time you said, God, I'm going to deny myself food and drink to seek your face, to cry out to you, God, day and night, because I need a great deliverance. Are we too comfortable? Have we been lulled to sleep like just like Hadassah was tempted to be amongst the lily gardens of Persia, just soaking it in in the lap of luxury. But no, she said, I will not. I will fast and pray and I'll call my people to fast and pray that God would deliver us. Nehemiah four says, as soon as I heard these words, you hear that? As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and I mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Ezra 8, so we fasted and implored our God for this. And what does it say? And he listened to our entreaty. They got God's attention. Hadassah got God's attention. The Jewish people of Persia got God's attention. But they sought after God. They didn't look for a natural solution, they looked first and foremost to a spiritual solution to the God of heaven. And I'll tell you what, folks, we call ourselves believers. Are you a believer? That means you believe, that you believe. That God exists and He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That you believe that He is powerful and able to save. That you believe the song we sang today, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I believe that. And then in the Brut and after appointing elders for them in every congregation, Sheol and Barnabas, with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Then in Mark 9, it says, So he said to them, This kind it was a, a, a someone who was suffering with a sickness, but the root of it was a spirit. And look what he said. Yeshua comes down, you remember, from the, he comes down from the mountain, and they said, Rabbi, how come we couldn't cast out this demon? And he looked to them and said, This kind only, say only, only. comes out by prayer and fasting. Only. Only. Prayer and fasting is a potent tool. Unfortunately, it is used too infrequently. Yeshayahu says that it looses the bonds of oppression. But unfortunately, we often look to natural solutions first, and sometimes only. Let's read Yeshayahu 58 and 6. says, This is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. I want to suggest, because I know, I know you, <laughs> a lot of you got some things going on in your life that quite frankly, can I be honest with you, you need heaven To intervene. It's beyond natural means. You need God to move on your behalf. And guess how you get a hold of God? You deny yourself. You seek him with prayer and fasting. You cry out to God as if your life depended upon it. Because it does. And that's how they cried out in Shushan and throughout Persia. As if their life depended upon it. Because their lives did depend upon it. Instead of trying to react with a rebellion or an uprising, the Jewish communities banded together to pray and fast for God to break through and deliver them. The heroes in the book of Esther sought a spiritual solution rather than a natural and carnal one. And we must do the same when we are faced with various challenges. The response to their efforts was very successful, wasn't it? but it required them and it requires us to fight for your inheritance. You need to fight for your inheritance. Let's go back to our text. And he wrote in in the name of King Achishverus, sealed it with the king's signet ring, and sent letters by couriers on horseback, riding on royal horses bred from swift steeds. By these letters, the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together, because by this time, Haman is gone. Say Haman. Boo! He's already hung on the gallows at this point. But guess what? In Persia, once the decree was written, it cannot be taken back. And so the Jewish people were still in danger, even though Haman was gone. So Mordecai and Esther tell the king to write a new decree. ...that the Jewish people could defend themselves. And that's what happens here. And by these letters, the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together and protect their lives... ...to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the forces of any people or province that would assault them... ...both little children and women, and to plunder their possessions... "...on one day in all the provinces of King Akashverus, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, a copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province and published for all people so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies." Now in the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day, the time came for the king's command and his decree to be executed. On the day that the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, the opposite occurred. In that the Jews themselves overpowered those who hated them. The Jews gathered together in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Achishverus to lay hands on those who sought their harm and no one could withstand them because fear of them fell on all people. Thus, the Jews defeated their enemies with the stroke of the sword, with slaughter and destruction, and did what they pleased with those who hated them. So here's the truth. God delivered our people from the schemes of the wicked Haman. Boo. With that being said, they still came under attack and by God's hand they defeated. They defended themselves and they prevailed. They defeated their enemies through battle. They picked up their swords. They went out. They resisted. They fought. They did something. They engaged the enemy. They just didn't sit back and say, God, okay, we prayed and we fasted. Now you do it. We'll stay in our homes. I need hamantaschen. No, they didn't. They got out with their swords. They banded together and they fought and they fought. Do you want to know what the Brit Chadasha tells us to fight as well? And too often we just want to pray and fast. Yes, we need to. Spiritual solutions first. But guess what? We also need to fight. And I'm not talking about a physical fight because the weapons that we fight with are not carnal weapons. They're spiritual weapons, mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. They fought as if their lives depend upon it. With sword in hand, they cut down their enemies. They defeated their enemies through battle. And guess what? You and I will defeat our spiritual enemies through battle. Some people are battling with sickness. Some people are battling to see an unsaved loved one come to faith. Some people are battling over finances. Some people are battling over relationships. And in Ephesians, it says, Finally, grow powerful in union with the Lord, in union with his mighty strength. Use all the armor and weaponry that God provides so that you will be able to stand against the deceptive tactics of the adversary. For we are not struggling against human beings, but against the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers governing this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So take up every piece of war equipment God provides so that when the evil day comes, you will be able to resist. And when the battle is won, you will still be standing. Therefore, stand. Have the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Put on righteousness for a breastplate. And wear on your feet the readiness that comes from the good news of Shalom. Always carry the shield of faith or trust with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of deliverance along with the sword given by the Spirit, that is the word of God, And as you pray at all times with all kinds of prayers and requests in the Spirit, vigilantly and persistently for all God's people. We must learn to fight in order to win, and we must do the following. First, do you see the first thing it says there? I want to tell you. The very first thing is an indictment on the Western body of Messiah. It says, grow powerful in union with the Lord Yeshua. That's what it says. Grow powerful in union with the Lord. In other words, spend time with Yeshua. That is what matters most because we cannot fight in our own strength. How well do you know him? How much do you love him? Those are questions for you to answer. How near to him have you drawn? How much of your day is spent seeking him and pursuing him and finding him? Use every weapon. Say every weapon. It doesn't say pick one or two that you like out of the list. It says use every weapon you have available. So take up every piece of war equipment that God provides. Then it says, stand your ground. It takes courage to fight the fight of faith. It takes courage to look sickness in the eye and a doctor's report in the eye. It takes courage to stand in front of people and proclaim the truth of Yeshua and have to withstand some of the things that come our way. Courage. Courage. Stand on the truth. The truth will set you free. But only if you know it. This verse says to gird our waist with truth. So, Someone wrote, It is always our responsibility to study the word of truth and to wrap our lives, say wrap our lives, within it. How old do you know the word of God? Oh, can I give you a tip? Something I found its really neat. You know, with technology, we love our iPhones. Right? I mean, goodness, we love our iPhones. But I have, have an app on my iPhone where I could listen to the Word of God. So you put my earphones in. Through the, you could do it through your Beth Emanuel app, actually. Um, and while you're driving in the car, you could listen to, I've listened to, gosh, I've only had it for like a, a week. If I didn't listen to 100 chapters, easily, A hundred chapters of scripture being just drilled into me. It's awesome because what does the scripture say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. Now, I don't skimp on my daily devotions of reading the word, but a hundred chapters getting into your hearing. Guess what? Will build your faith. Just a suggestion. Then it says, be a prepared messenger of the Besorah. How many think, when we think of the power of God, do you think of the Besorah as the power of God? That's what the word says. It says the Besorah is the power of God unto salvation to the Yehudi first and also to the Gentile. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile, but the Besorah is powerful. How many times have you wielded the good news of the Becerra to someone. It's powerful. We need to use it. Then it says, use your faith shield. How many people have a problem with thoughts of discouragement or negative thoughts or thoughts of doubt and unbelief bombarding your mind? Do you know what those are? Those are the fiery darts of the evil one. He comes and seeks to discourage us. He even did it to Yeshua. Hey, Yeshua, if you're the son of God, why don't you throw yourself down and... Or it may turn the stone into bread and so on and so forth, right? Mocking him. But Yeshua knew what to do, didn't he? Got to use your faith shield to extinguish the fiery darts and the accusations of hell that bombard us. Oh, you're not a believer, you're not a real believer because you had a bad day. How many of you know that you could never earn your salvation ever? You'll never be good enough ever. And you're, the, you, Our own righteousness is as filthy rags. You could be the most pious person on the planet, you still fall short. That's why the Mashiach needed to come because it is his righteousness that purchases our atonement. Remember, your salvation keeps you centered. Meditate on the fact that God has delivered you and He is with you in the midst of the fight. Say, I am blessed to the Lord. To the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all my sin and heals all my diseases. Forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. That's the word of God. Forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. reason I mentioned the word before because how could you wield the sword of the spirit which is the word of God if you don't know the word of God Yeshua used it and said to Satan it is written that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God what is he saying kind of just like what we're talking about man doesn't live by just natural means and just by natural food and natural blessings, man lives by the words of God. We are created in such a way that we need spiritual nourishment from the word of God. And when we use the word of God against our spiritual enemy, not against people. Trust me, I've been in enough prayer meetings where people pray at you. You ever been in one of those meetings? that people pray at you. So they're praying, but they're praying at you. God, I thank you that I'm not like the brother over here. but I pray, Lord, that uh, you would keep me safe and out of the things that my brother over here is into. And people, you know, that really slimes people's spirit. We don't do that. We use the word of God on the enemy, the spiritual enemy. Yeshua said, as Kepha came toward him, he said, "Get he look, he's looking straight at Kepha, and he said, get behind me, Satan. Did he not? Get behind me, Satan. The last weapon is prayer. Do you know God's house is to be called a house of prayer? And Let me just ask a question for you to answer. How much do you pray? I know, we find it boring. It's boring to pray. Prayer. You, you, you want to have a small meeting? Call a prayer meeting. I'm serious. You, you want to have a big meeting? Throw a pizza party. You want to have a small meeting? Call a prayer meeting. This is the way it is. But yet God said, my house will be called a house of prayer. A house where people cry out to him. To cry out to him for the salvation of our brethren. For the safety of the land of Israel. For, for God to move on the hearts of those who do not yet believe. Yet we struggle to do it. Sometimes we need to rearrange our priorities. Listen, when we get to heaven, I doubt God's going to say, you know... How's your fastball? Or how's your sideline kick? Or how long do you last on the treadmill? God's not going to be concerned with those things. Not that we can't do them. Not that we can't enjoy them. But primarily, we should be spiritually oriented. First and foremost, could you imagine what would you think if you read the Brit Hadashah and it says, and during the hour of prayer, Kefa and Yochanan, instead of going up to the temple, said, "Hey, Kefa, want to go down to the to the beach? We'll shoot up to Tel Aviv and we'll catch a little dip in, in the Mediterranean. What do you think?" Hey, guys, what do you think? Instead of Pesach, Pesach, you know, it's so hard to go out without bread for so long. How about we do something else? How about we just take a little, we'll go down to, to Jaffa. It's beautiful this time of year. Just hang out and chill out. What would you think of them? You would think, something's wrong. That's not how it's supposed to be. What do you think they think looking at us? It says in the book of the Messianic Jews, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. They're looking down from heaven at us. What do you think they're thinking about us? I'm just saying, guys, you want breakthrough? Are you in a dilemma like Hadassah and our people in Persia? What are you doing? Are you going and falling on your face, crying out to God, fasting and praying, using your spiritual weapons, all of them, speaking the Word of God, speaking the truth, memorizing Scripture, listening to the Word of God, finding your solution in the heart of God, in the Word of God? Or you say, you know what, it's a beautiful day, I'm going to Yaffa. And again, not that we can't do those things, but our priority needs to be spirit man first. We are to pray consistently and frequently. It says with all kinds of prayers and requests in the spirit. Vigilantly and persistently for all God's people. Do you know what? I need your prayers. And to our prayer partners, know what me and Rabbi Carol say, thank you so much. We need your prayers. And you need my prayers. And I can tell you, I am faithful to pray for you. We pray over every... you, You weren't here when we prayed for you In that seat where you're sitting today, we prayed for you. That God would move in your life. That God would give you what you need. That God would set you free. That God would deliver you. That God would be with you. We prayed for you. Because the truth is, we need each other. I need your prayers and you need my prayers. We are the body of Messiah. We are Mishpacha. And if we don't band together like our people did in Persia, then what's what's the end result? It wasn't just the Jews in, in Shushan. It was throughout 120 provinces of Persia. The largest kingdom of its day. And they all prayed and fasted and sought the face of God and put their faith into action and defended themselves to see God bring a great victory. Some of you need a miracle in your life. Where do you think that's going to come from? Because I'll tell you what, you could go by down the road if you're going to handle it through a natural way and you might even get some relief, but you're never going to get the relief you really need. Only God could give you the relief that you really need. And so I suggest that you learn to pray and you learn to pray for God's people because we must pray, 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 and then pray some more. You know, these days I find myself always praying. I'm praying more now than ever before. I'm doing the dishes, praying. The other day we were shopping in Walmart. You know, everyone loves Walmart. Even the rabbis. I'm shopping in Walmart. We are getting things for Purim today. And I'm praying. And I'm wondering to myself, you know, if someone is like tracking me, they might say this guy seems a little strange. But guess what? I was praying because we need a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough. Some of your families need a breakthrough. Your bodies need a breakthrough. Well, if I don't pray, and if you don't pray, how's it going to happen? So let's recap. Remember, we must use all of these weapons, not just one or two, but all of them must be implemented in order to experience victory. We have to remember that we are in conflict with spiritual world powers. That is the truth. Don't be fooled because of what your eyes see. I mean, it's really simple. When you see hatred and violence, is that God? Do you think God's behind hatred and violence? No, God is not behind hatred and violence. It's the other guy. We must seek spiritual solutions, not natural ones. And then we have to fight, fight, fight for our inheritance. You know, I'm almost 54 years old. And if I could tell you that I'm shocked when I wake up in the morning and find out that I have a 20-year-old son (laughs) who's bigger than me. It goes so fast. But eternity never ends. Ever. Ever. And although God gives us good things on this earth to enjoy, our first and primary enjoyment should come from him, that we enjoy him. On Wednesday night, I'm closing, guys, really. The party doesn't start till 4 o'clock, so you get your hamantash in then. But on Wednesday night, I talked about As a father, if my kids only came up to me and said, Dad, throw me the keys, sure. Dad can have a few bucks for school. Okay, here you go. Hey, Dad, I have a favor to ask you. My friend needs a job. Could you get him a job at your friend's business? Okay. Hey, Dad, I need a new outfit for Purim. Okay. Hey, Dad, I'm. Uh, you know what? I, I brought, me and my wife got our new house. I'm short on the, the rent this month. Um, you have a couple hundred dollars to make up the shortfall. Okay. Hey, Dad, our, our health insurance is coming up, and, and uh, it's a little tight this month. Could, you, could we borrow 500 bucks from you? Okay, son. Now, could you imagine, and every parent already could see, I could see the twinkle in your eye that's saying, oh, yeah, I know those requests. But can you imagine God that all that we talk to Him about is do something for me? God, I need healing. God, I need provision. God, I need you to come through. God, I need a miracle. God, I need finances. God, I need this and God, I need that. And God, I need and I need and I need. When do we ever come to God and say, God, I need you. I want you. You're enough for me. Just your presence. God, I just want to sit at your feet. God, I just want to be around you. You are the pearl of great price. You are what I sold everything for to buy the field where the pearl was, where you are. God, you are where I want to be. Is God enough? He really is. So I want to encourage you today. Could you imagine how different the Purim story is if Hadassah and Mordecai weren't the people that they were? They were people after God's own heart. And because of them who sought God and and, and rallied others to seek God, here we are. 2,500 years later, roughly, to fight another day. And let me tell you, fighting we are. The same spirits that were in the earth 2,500 years ago are active and alive and well today. There was just, just was it yesterday or, or this morning, another synagogue in school had to clear out for a bomb threat. Alive and well. But what are we going to do about it? Are we going to be like Hadassah and like Mordecai? I hope so. Because the world needs us, our people need us, our families need us, the lost need us. Only thing God can't do, because God can do all things. Do you know that? All things are possible. But the only thing he can't do is do what we are designed to do. Only we could seek after God. So I encourage you to do it. Let's stand to our feet. God is great. And he is greatly to be praised. Who is like our God? Nobody. No one like our God. Stretch forth your hand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his shalom. Father, I pray over your people, God, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all they ask or imagine. Lord, that you would help them as they seek your face. Lord, that you would grant them breakthrough and victory. God, the miracles that they need, Abba, we thank you in advance for granting them. And Father, we pray that you would bless them and overtake them with your goodness. Have mercy on your people, we pray. In Yeshua's name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.